So today I'm with uh, a retired Brideson-based artist and researcher called Dave Patchett. And I've known Dave for a couple of years now, actually, as a result of the local Brighton scene and various events we've been we've been attending together, along with various other people in the local area. Um, and one of the things that Dave Patchett specialises in as a researcher is flat earth, which is an area that I don't know a great deal about. I have looked into it a bit over the years and seen various videos online. And I've always found it quite a fascinating topic, very divisive and obviously quite controversial online in particular with debates waging all the time and lots of content being taken down and things. So I thought it'd be good to get Dave's take on it and to understand a bit more about the, the whole subject, really. So Dave, I, I'm aware that you've obviously researched this for a number of years now. And um, firstly, you know, how did you get into this in the first place? What what got you into flat earth as a, as a subject? Well, all my life I've been a, a bit of a socialist, member of the Labour Party, um, and a believer in, well, I suppose the socialist revolution, revolution uh, which of course uh, never happened. And now looking back, thank goodness it never happened because it wouldn't have worked out good. Um, because like everything else, um, whatever theory uh, enters into the domain uh, will be twisted and used against you and by the people that actually run things. And so they've completely transformed what was considered left-wing and made it right-wing. For instance, Trump wanted to bring jobs back to America. He was called a right-winger. Uh, Trump didn't want any foreign involvement in wars. He was called a right-winger. In actual fact, he was putting forward uh, left-wing positions from the 1970s. So politics has gone crazy. I never looked at alternatives. I only ever got the mainstream news because I was illiterate with computers until I was in my 60s. And uh, then I thought, it's crazy being frightened of computers. Um, so I went and learnt how to use a computer, bought a computer, and suddenly found a whole new world of alternative ideas by surfing the internet. So what, what kind of year would this have been? This would be 16 years ago. Okay, so that would have been... Some early mid noughties. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And discovered to my surprise that 9 11 had 100 questions that couldn't be answered um, by the mainstream theory. They could only be ignored because the questions were all valid. And came to the conclusion that 9 11 was definitely an inside job. And I moved on from there to realising that we couldn't possibly have gone to the moon. Um, because when you study it in detail, you find out that um, it could only have been faked, and obviously faked, as soon as you look at the detail. And technology has never gone backwards. So how the hell could we do something in 1969 that we can't do today. Um, that's absolutely crazy. It goes against uh, the whole nature of technological advancement. And it was only a short step from realising that we never went to the moon to taking a closer look at the moon and then touching accidentally upon the flat earth idea and fallen into what could be construed as the trap of becoming obsessed by it. I did fall into that trap, I did become obsessed, and after about three months of constant study, I was convinced that we obviously live 
on a flat earth. So was there a particular researcher at the time that, that sparked your attention or a video or anything? Because I guess in those days, we're talking mid naughty so I suppose YouTube had only just launched. I think YouTube came out in 2005. So it was, it was a different world back then on the internet. Like I, I guess a lot of this stuff was more on uh, internet forums and things like that, not like not necessarily videos and things. Um, but well, I, Eric Debay is a name that always comes to mind. Is that was that somebody that you came across early on? Uh, the first the first thing I listened to was Flat Earth Clues. Okay. Um, can't remember the name of the guy uh, now because of course you can't find any of this on the internet very easily. Um, but there was eleven episodes, and they were something like uh, fifteen minute episodes. Right. And I watched all of it, and then watched it all again. Um, Eric Dubai, yes. There was an American artist, a bit of a character. Uh, forgotten his name as well. Who was hoping to get funds together to actually travel across the uh, Antarctic. Uh, to find new worlds, um, but obviously he was never going to get those funds together. <laughs> so, very strange man, but uh, very effective in many of the things that he did. I've forgotten his name as well, because this is all going back, what, yeah, seven, sure. seven years. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, you, you just alluded to it there. I mean, I've read that, uh, I know a few other people that are kind of in, interested in flat earth stuff. And yeah, a lot of these original videos from... I don't know, five, ten, five to ten years ago, say, they seem to have been taken off the internet now. There's uh, the, the, on YouTube. I think a lot of Eric Dubay's stuff has been censored and deleted. And I've always found that strange because if they, if the powers that be just see it as a wacky, just a wacky theory, why don't they just let people continue putting it out there online? Exactly. What, what's the problem? What, there what's... is one that's managed to escape the net. Um, Nathan Oakley okay. it's called Flat Earth Debate and that's even on YouTube um, because he manages to obey the rules to such an extent oh, so um, that, that he gets away with it okay. um, Yeah, yeah you, you won't get it by typing Flat Earth but if you type uh, Flat Earth Debate Nathan Oakley um, you can watch his shows yeah uh, after a while, they get tiresome uh, because there's only so much you can say and then you're going over the same ground. Um, but it's very good scientifically. It's very accurate. Uh, he never says anything unless he can more or less prove it with science. There was so a, that's remember, a good recommendation. Um, allegedly Dave was another one that comes to mind. I remember somebody called Allegedly Dave. I, he, I think he has a bit of a YouTube presence. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very good. He, he sort of got, he's going all over the place now, yeah. discussing all, all sorts of different things. He didn't just stay on uh, on the flat earth. And yeah, he's made quite a name for himself. He's a very good speaker. But going back to flat earth as a subject then, so I guess, like, I mean, if somebody doesn't really know, what the, I mean, this is the age-old thing about flat earthers and... The premise of it essentially is right that the Earth is 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 flat. That it's not this um, this planet shaped, um, uh, like the, with space as a, as a conception is nothing like what we've been led to believe. It's sort of kind of a fabrication, right? And that the Earth, mm -hmm. and I get there's two schools of thought I think with flat Earth about this pla like infinite plane theory, which is the idea I think that we're on a flat plane and it's essentially infinite in all directions, which that is baffling to me, but it, so is the nature of the universe too, really. Um, but also I guess there's this other more, more mainline flat earth idea that it, it's a, what, like a dome. And then you've got like, the, we, we do hit an end point and then you can't fall off the edge of the earth, but there's some ice wall or this kind of thing. I mean, do you have any take on on those theories and which one you would subscribe to? Well, they're unknowables. 
it's silly to speculate and have a definite model because until we go through um, whatever we find, whichever direction we travel from the centre, which is the North Pole, we're going to eventually hit the, um, the southern border, which is an ice wall. Right. Um, and it's so in, in his spot. Um, it's so uh, hard to live with the winds and the storms and the exceptionally low temperatures um, that it's impossible really um, without the best modern technology like a, a super aeroplane or something um, to go any further and find out if you're going to hit yeah. uh, an edge or an end. Um, but what we can say for definite is that there is a, some kind of dome. That we can say for definite. Simply because if there wasn't, then we'd lose our air. How could our air be so consistent over millions of years? Um, if it could escape into space, it would escape into space. Especially if space is a vacuum, which the scientists tell us. Um, it would just shoot straight into the vacuum, as any experiment in a laboratory would prove. So, yeah, there's... Um, I remember seeing a video about this, and the idea is that there's like a... I think it's known as the firmament. I don't know if you've heard of it described as that, but it it's this sort of, like, layer around the dome that... Essentially, if you fly an aircraft up to a certain altitude, you're hit this firmament, which is like a sort of layer that you can't get beyond. And this is why space travel, according to the theories, is, it isn't, isn't possible. Yeah, that's why, since 1969, since they went to the moon, uh, NASA now admits that no human being's gone higher than a couple of hundred miles. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. In the, in the last, what, 40, 40, 50 years. There was a, there's a, yeah, I mean, I, I, I started to, think seriously about this subject a couple of years ago when I saw a video by Joe Joe Rogan he, he's a well-known podcaster and he had um, a guy on called Eddie Bravo who is just one of his mates essentially but he was quite sold on this flat earth theory and he kept saying show me he, he challenged Joe on he said show show me a piece of footage from space it's real and and at first it seemed like quite an easy thing to do you would just go and google space footage or space pictures and i must say i mean when you actually do that you do realize quite quickly that almost everything you see looks cgie or fates or artistic depictions of what a spacewalk would look like um, you don't really see any actual footage um, which is quite interesting and they can't even send the machinery up they tell us that they can send machinery up to mars but they can't actually send the machinery up even like without a human, mm. um, but with a camera that can take footage of the Earth from, say, 8,000 8, miles up, uh, then you can see the whole Earth. Yeah. And they can't show you a single real photograph. And NASA, NASA to be fair to them, they do admit um, that um, it's a composite because it has to be. I see. Yeah, I mean, there's a famous picture of Earth that generally goes around and does the rounds online, and it it it, it is actually a, a an artistic impression of of the Earth. It's not a photograph, but a lot of people do seem to think it's a photograph, and they, they so I can see why this becomes part of the the theory because it 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 is a bit strange, definitely, and I guess I guess NASA would argue that they do it because. I don't know, maybe a lot of the footage doesn't come out very well or whatever. I mean, that was one of the theories that... That, that was one of the things NASA, I think, said in response to the the idea that all the moon landing pictures were faked and stuff, which we've had... We've done episodes about that before on this podcast years ago. It was an area we really researched quite, quite thoroughly. And, yeah, there's definitely fakery around the moon landings, even if it's just the pictures and the video. But NASA one of the things that NASA kind of say is, oh, well, maybe 
I think that sometimes they even admit to the fact that maybe some of the pictures were were fabricated because the uh, the, the the radiation meant that the film reels were were destroyed and they needed they needed to have something so they they faked it in a studio but we did go <laughs> that kind of thing uh, I mean that's that's not NASA's take on it but that sometimes you 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 hear that angle uh, which is the idea that well look if it is proven that the pictures were faked they must have done it for a very valid reason it's like well sure but maybe it's because they just knew they couldn't go in the first place um but anyway with going back to flat earth i guess um you mentioned about the flight business and this is this is a guess i guess this is the main area where people will just say it's it flat earth is a load of rubbish because they just say well look people getting airplanes all the time like you're in you can see the curvature of the earth when you look out a wind when you look out the window at thirty three thousand feet um and I, i've heard that being attributed to the fact it's all um the curvature of the glass in planes it gives the impression of a curve but it isn't actually there it's not it's not really a curve which yeah it's just an interesting one i'm just throwing it out there really i don't think it's really quite worth talking about um because our eyes are very imperfect we can see that with the horizon uh, that there's always a finishing point and that's where our eyes artificially make an horizon and if there's refraction in the atmosphere the horizon will be different from one day to another it will come come at a different level so um, this is all very unscientific now some people go up in a plane and they they're absolutely certain that the world looks completely flat Others say that they can see the curve. Well, if you believe in the curve, you'd probably feel the curve or even imagine right. that you see the curve, whether it's there or not. But apart from that, if you can imagine our eyes can see a certain distance, it's a bit like a fly on a round table in the centre of a round table. It's not going to be a straight line. The horizon of the edge of the table is not going to be in a straight line. It's going to be in a slight curve, even though the table is completely completely flat. Because you're slightly above the level of the table, you will see a slight curve. So that's the way our eyes work. So really, it doesn't prove anything either way. Yeah, and there's... There's videos I've seen of people who it's sort of linked to the same subject, which I guess we're kind of talking about the horizon now, essentially. And my understanding is the horizons, when you're at ground level, at sea level, I should say, uh, the horizon is around 30 miles away, I think, or 25 to 30. And I might, I'm, I'm getting out from somewhere, I may, may be mistaken, but there was this big thing a few years ago online, it's probably still a bit of a thing, where people were buying what was known as the Flat Earth camera. Um, that was what it was being called, called by the Flat Earth community. But it was at, it was a Nikon, I believe, P900 camera. I think that was the model number. It's discontinued now, but you can buy you know the newer version. But the reason it was called the Flat Earth camera was because it had um, a very, very impressive optical zoom range it was like something like 500 times magnification, uh, but optical, not digital. So people would set it up on a stand on the beach and zoom into the horizon. And unless there's trickery involved in the videos, people, I would, I, I, you can still see them now. There's plenty of them on, online. Uh, people are zooming into things that they shouldn't be able to see. And I've never really heard that explained by anyone. Um, but I, no. unless you subscribe to the you model, you see that... videos of a. You can watch a boat go yes, over the horizon, exactly. And you pick up your camera and use the zoom lens, yeah. and the boat comes back. Yeah, which is it is which proves that your eyes are playing tricks on you. Yeah, and, and that it could be fact. Yeah, yeah. So the, the conventional model is obviously that there's a curvature, and then when you get to that thirty mile mark, the curvature becomes slightly apparent, and then you things dip out of view and engineers will tell you uh, tongue-in-cheek because they're not going to admit to believing in the consequences of their 
experience, but their experience is that you measure uh, everything in engineering, like um, building a canal, for instance, um, by, the, by the law that water is always level. So they've got measuring instruments using water to make sure that they're build, what they're building is completely level. Yeah. So there's, been, there's never been any proof that water can bend. Mm. It can't bend. Um, it can wave if it's windy, um, but it, over a long stretch it, it cannot bend. And then there's the famous photographs um, going over, is it Lake Superior um, to Chicago from 90 miles away? Um, where you can see more or less all of the buildings which are 90 miles away where they should be several hundred feet below the curvature of the earth. Was that picture taken at sea sea level? Where was was it at a certain altitude? Well, it would be lake lake level. Lake level, yeah, sure. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. I think I've seen Uh, that picture. And... um, a newscaster showed the picture and said that it was a superior mirage. Right. So flat earthers uh, took a boat, uh, and you've got to find the right day with the right sort of dry atmosphere to be able to see all the buildings in Chicago. So they took a boat and they took a a, a, a film, travelling all the way there, and it never changes. You, you still see the. Outline. It's nothing like a mirage. It's solid. Okay. All the way across. Yeah, I mean that. That's it. and that kind of goes back to this whole camera business, I guess. People zooming into wind turbines and boats and things that you can't see from your perspective, but then when you zoom in, they kind of appear. Mm. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it, it. I would. I would say that's uh, an area that needs a lot more re- research done and. I've never really seen a convincing argument to, to debunk this angle. Well, it's it's still a dodgy area because the eyes play tricks and yeah. refraction plays tricks. So it's still not conclus- conclusive. I wouldn't put it in my top, the top five okay. uh, proofs. About, yeah, about, and, uh, and also you do have to be wary with a lot of the videos you see of people zooming in on boats and things because sometimes they, they, they are manipulated you know the footage is manipulated to a certain extent um but but yeah anyway the the it's you know it's an area i suppose that's worth covering but going back to what we were talking about i mean an an area that i found quite interesting when i looked into this i think i saw an eric dubay video that i think is has probably been taken down by now on on youtube at least but flight international flight paths that and that's an interesting one because there's some interesting info, info around around the way that flight paths are not don't seem to make any sense um, unless you factor in the fact that they're trying to hide something from the from the from humanity. Uh, so I don't know if this is an area that you've come you've come, come across, but it, it so like planes will take off, and I, I can't remember the exact specifics, but someone broke it down and said, well, rationally. If this aircraft wanted to get to this country at an optimal time, at the shortest amount of distance, it would just do this and then it would go there. But then if you factor in the fact that they're trying to prevent us from believing in in the, 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 the actual reality of, the, of a, flat, a flat or dome, you know, a dome model as opposed to a, a planet, um, they're, they're doing these, these flight paths that don't seem to make any sense. Uh, like the international air, like I think one of them was that going from, um, in, I believe it was England to Australia, uh, they don't go back around the other side of the globe, where they go the way they came, so they don't they don't kind of do a loop, if you know what I mean. Um, so they it doesn't seem to make sense uh, if you if you subscribe to this model, um, but is that an area that you've come into any close contact with? Yeah, if you uh, go from Melbourne. To I don't know San Francisco, no, not San Francisco, um, Santiago. 
So you're going from Australia uh, to uh, South America, uh, quite close to the tip of South America. You're actually, you should go across the ocean. It's about 2,000 miles, uh, which an airplane can do, 2,000 miles. Yeah. And uh, you would just go across the ocean that way. Um, but there's no such plane. The there's planes no such route. actually yeah. go way up uh, north to uh, over Europe uh, to uh, North America, mm. and then and then down to South America. And the weird thing is that when you look at the flat Earth, it's almost a straight line, mm. and this applies to just about every trip uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. They make no sense at all on a globe, but they make perfect sense on a flat earth. Yeah, that's. I think that's what I was trying to say. Like, if you if you see these flat, if you see these flight paths and factor in that we're living on a flat plane, they make they actually sort of make sense. But if you factor in the fact that we're meant to be in a you know in a round shaped planet, then they don't make any sense because mm -hmm. of the fact they could go around, they could do shortcuts and things. Um, I guess one argument is that they want to avoid extreme areas where there's extreme weather, perhaps, you know, the South and North Poles, maybe. Um, but that's just that's just the thought that suddenly came into my mind. Well, it would be the South Pole. The South, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a case that you wouldn't go across yeah. the theoretical uh, island of Antarctica. Right. Um, which doesn't really exist, in, in my opinion. Um, but they've got the excuse that the weather is so inhospitable yeah. that it would be dangerous to go across. And I suppose they could argue as well, maybe it could cause issues with radio comms and all of the, the instrumentation when they go, in terms of pole shifting and things like that. Yeah, but um, if, you, if you took a curve, uh, yeah. just a missed Antarctica and went just above it to go from Australia to South America... And that would still be the most convenient and efficient route, and yet no no plane does it. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's definitely an interesting area, and I, I think things like this are why the, the conversation still wages because it, the, the, these are kind of unanswered questions. I guess they're, they're not proof of anything, but they're it, it's interesting. It's, it's evidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, where else do you think? I mean, it's the space. I mean, I suppose there's two other areas that are kind of core areas that we've not touched on. Them, I suppose we, we've kind of touched on space a little bit already, but we we talked about the idea that perhaps it's it doesn't. So, I mean, what what about stars, um, and and the the moon and the sun, uh, and I mean, we, we we live in the heliocentric. Well, the, the 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 mainstream view is that like a heliocentric model. Sorry, it's not. That's not the mainstream view, but it used to be uh, that everything evolved around the sun, kind of thing. Um, but that now that's that's old. That's old hat. It's not. The people don't subscribe to that now. There may be people out there that do, but it's generally not consensus. Uh, but there is this idea now that we live in. You know, obviously in a in a galaxy and planets evolve around go through different orbits based on gravita gravitational pulls from other planets, all this business. Um, but do, do you just dismiss this? this yes, I do, yeah. yeah. If uh, gravitation existed between uh, planets in this vacuum that uh, the scientists tell us exists with these trillions and trillions of uh, planets, uh, we'd see examples, surely, of uh, planets falling into each other and two planets nestling together because they're attracted to one another. Uh, there's no such thing. We also don't see, um, there's nothing in our eyesight or even in our camera's eyesight that shows us one planet going around another planet. So... It, it's all uh, crazy speculation, as far as I'm concerned. Well, they uh, what we do see is the North Star seems to be a centre, 
and all the stars go round and round in an almost perfect circle. Yeah. Which would happen if we were spinning, but it would also happen if the stars were spinning. So what, what is a star then, in your view? Is it because is it, I've I've read well I've never been theories. to a star sure yeah so yeah. it's what I it's, it's the nearest objective description I can give of a star is that it's a light mm. and it's a crazy light when you look at get a when decent you, yeah, camera yeah and they're all different colours and they're sparkling and they're on and off sparkles um, like a like a, a light show at a disco quite amazing actually stars are um, but they don't seem to have much substance. They no. Seem, they seem to be like spectacular lights, like a light show. Yeah, I mean, the, again, I think it's probably Eric Dubay, but there are other videos I've seen when they touch on this. There's a, Yeah, this is where I guess it's an unknown. If, if you believe the Earth's flat, we can't necessarily know for sure what space is or what these lights are and what they represent. Um, but I guess, is there any need for space in, in a flat Earth model? I mean, could there be multiple flat Earths, if you know what I mean? So could there be multiple planes that are separate? Well, if you take the flat Earth model, we don't know what's on the other side yeah. of the dome or the firmament. It could be anything. Uh, there's a theory out there, maybe it's a religious theory, that it's water because... And um, we were always in the Bible hearing about uh, the waters above and below. Um, so it could be water. That would describe the crazy sort of waviness of starlight if right. it was in water and the water yeah, was shifting. The, or the firmament even. We're seeing it through the firmament, which could be a liquidy yeah. sort of barrier. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the key is electromagnetism, which seems to run everything when you go up a certain height. Uh, the movement of everything seems to be uh, electromagnetism. And the amazing thing is that you can do that in a, in a laboratory. You can set up uh, electromagnets that make uh, flying um, discs uh, go round and round uh, above um, a kind of flat earth uh, level surfaced circle and they can make things go round and round like the moon and the sun using electromagnetism they can do that in a laboratory and that seems to be the nearest best guess mm. as to how the sun and the moon work so that brings us to gravity I guess so we've not really touched on gravity yet but it's key i guess to a lot of this stuff that because we talked about water and how water's always leveled out and stuff but so you're pointing at the word spin <laughs> i think that's the biggest proof yeah that's why i put it at the head yeah of my list is spin which we haven't touched upon okay so the science tells us that here in brighton we would be spinning at about 720 miles an hour uh, at the equator, we'd be spinning at over a thousand miles an hour. Um, now, if you were travelling on a train at 700 miles an hour, um, it would be most disturbing if you were to stand on the roof. You would be swept off that roof very, very quickly because the air won't travel. It's not in the nature of air to travel with the conveyor belt or um, the surface that's beneath it. It might ruffle the surface, close to the surface, but the, the whole of the air is not going to travel with a surface travelling at 700 miles an hour. It's not in the nature of air. So it would create, because the air wants to be still, it would create... A 700 mile an hour wind and it would be impossible to live. That's the biggest proof that uh, the heliocentric system is nonsense. So that, yeah, so I'm just trying to think back to, to the sort of the school day kind of take on this, like we're going back to 
basic science schooling it's is it the the mainstream belief is that air was is contained within our own our own kind of e ecosystem if you like where it's 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 attracted to it's it, it's it's somehow kept in in amongst earth it, it doesn't escape into the vacuum of space because we've got things like the um i guess it's the ozone layer and and we've got these these layers above above this the orbit we can we can reach in the conventional aircraft and they kind of pr protect us i mean that i mean i remember years ago there was uh do you remember the ozone layer fear because of uh certain certain um i can't remember exactly what the cause was like just aerosol cans that were being used and had sort of cfc's in them or something like that and it, there was a hole in the ozone layer and everyone was freaking out and because air was escaping through the ozone layer but you don't again i'm guessing you don't buy that model because if if air is kept if air is it must be somehow attracted to the earth and kept within the earth even if the earth's spinning at a certain speed it has to be kept in a container it's not kept yeah. in a container it will simply disperse level out but if there's an ozone layer, it, that keeps that keeps it from, as you say, dispersing out into space. Yeah, but my point, my point here, moving back yeah. into simplicity, is that the Earth must be still, because we can see it as still, we can feel it as still, we know that it's still, and the heliocentric system just falls, it just falls, it crashes. As soon as you realise that the Earth is still, nothing works in the heliocentric system. And it's obviously true that the Earth is still. You, yeah. can't, you can't have... We can't be living on a surface moving at seven, 700 miles an hour here in Brighton without creating impossible living conditions, 700 mile an hour winds. It's as simple as that. Yeah. No, I, I I see your point, and I'm just I'm just trying to think how someone would challenge this if they were f fully subscribing to the conventional model. And I suppose it would be that, like I say, going back to the air, it, it keeps us all in a in a in a collective state of uh, the where the conditions match what we expect. And if if we run on another planet where the spin rate was different, we may feel it very quickly, perhaps. Um, which I guess is something that they, well, allegedly they experienced on the moon. The, the idea that the, the gravity, I, well, I'm, actually I'm, I'm touching on a different area now, because I was about to say the gravity was, was a, a different, uh, it was a different gravity to what we experience on Earth. So weights had different, reality, you know, weights were very different to the weights we, we, we're accustomed to on Earth. When you jump and all that business, you go higher and all that, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, again, it's an interesting part of the, the the debate, I suppose. I mean, what what about what about gravity then? Because you, you the, the idea that the Earth's flat. So if you were saying about water earlier, so my understanding of water being has to always be still and or has to always be flat. I mean, it you could subscribe to the conventional model and still say that's the case because because of gravity, I guess. How can gravity, um, which isn't uh, magnetic, it's never described as magnetic, and therefore it applies to all kinds of materials, how can it hold the waters to the surface of a globe or a round, huge earth with millions and billions and trillions of tonnes of water how could it hold it towards the centre of the earth without it being very, very strong? It would have to be immensely strong gravity. And yet uh, a helium balloon will defy, defy gravity and just go up in the air. Whereas on a flat surface, we have no problem with the water. It's going to stay where it is because it's on a flat surface. It's so much simpler, so much simpler. And a helium yeah. balloon is lighter than the air and therefore it goes up. Because in the law of uh, density, light things, things lighter than the 
area that they're in go up and things heavier than the area that they're in, which is generally the air, go down. Very simple. Works every time. Yeah. You can do hundreds of experiments. A really interesting experiment was um, if you get a jug of water and you put an egg, um, uncooked, uh, still in its shell, put it in a glass of water, and it will sink slowly to the bottom because it is slightly more dense than the water. But if you add salt to the water and stir it a little bit, the water becomes denser and the egg will gradually rise to the top. Mm. Okay. Which is a, an excellent proof of relative density and how it works. So why, why would they lie about gravity then? What, what do you think now? Is it part of the, the way they control our spine? Yes, deception. Yeah, and justifying uh, a, a model. It's so that we don't know where we are, where we live, we're all a big accident, we're all insignificant. <laughs> the world becomes insignificant. We start thinking of other planets and other peoples from different planets and we're just an insignificant part of the huge... Uh, unfathomable um, giantness of everything and we, we just become smaller and smaller and less significant it's the same old thing taking power away from us also they're making billions and billions of pounds in profit like I don't know what happens to the money that goes to NASA but it's something like 60 uh, billion pounds a week goes to NASA and all they're producing is CGI films so, so where's that's a slush fund? Where does it go? Does it go underground? God knows where it goes. So it's generating a huge amount of money, and it's part of the battle against religion as well. Um, taking people away from the rules, like the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Taking all those rules away, making people selfish and self-obsessed um, so that they can't operate as a community again it's taking the power away from the people so they designed this at the time of uh, Copernicus uh, backed to a large degree although there was a hovering going this way and then that way uh, by the Catholic Church but at, at the time um, he got considerably support, considerable support from the Catholic Church, uh, and then it wavered according to who the Pope was. Uh, but in the end, the Jesuits uh, have been in control more or less of science, and have gained sway in the Catholic Church. And for the last three or four hundred years, and they've been back in the heliocentric system and taking the power away from the people. So yeah, it's a way of making us feel insignificant, isn't it? I guess it, it that I can see that that angle, and it's the idea because yeah, I mean it does make you feel insignificant when you think of the grand nature of the universe, and yeah, we're just one of a infinite, essentially infinite number of yeah. Take away planets. the heliocentric system, and all we know is that we're still. We've been here for millions of years. We're contained and we have not a clue, not a clue what's outside that containment. It could be nothing. It could be just nothing but water. It could be nothing but vacuum. It could be nothing but more air. Who knows? We, we, we just don't know. So we're, we're all that exists. That makes us much more important. And it also means as a creator, I can't think of another explanation other than the creator. I can't describe the creator. I'm not going to use the word God because uh, that would be misconstrued because there's been so many stories about gods um, that I wouldn't want to do that. I'd rather just say some magical uh, designer who existed, may not exist today, but existed at one time and designed where we live 
for us. And we're the, the super creatures, if you like, the creatures with the brains, apparently, uh, which makes us very, very, very special on this earth. So the sensor, yeah, so the, the, where this is, the, so the, that's the interesting thing about the flat earth theory, I guess, is that it you end up touching on the nature of reality as well. And that if if we do live in a an infinite plane or or some sort of plane where we don't really know the confines of the plane or what the edge is, what's beyond the edge, we don't really know that side of it at all. No one really does. Then um, it opens up the whole question around what is the nature of reality and it, 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 do we construct it? Is it is it is it like actually a collective belief in what what it is that we're experiencing? So you could even argue that they've spun our collective sense of what is the truth and what is the nature of the earth and our, our living environment yeah. to fit their model of yeah. which is actually a model of control. And they, they through education programming they turned us all into idiots sure that can't see the obvious like the earth is still it's such an obvious thing and their eyes tell us that and children if they're not told otherwise we'll just naturally believe that um, yeah you but don't... then their, their their minds are bent and they yeah. start believing in complete nonsense the school, they, yeah the school system you know, get in. a degree in physics and understand nothing i mean i guess like I, I, I'm open-minded about this subject and I, I guess where I still have trouble is is basically space and it's looking out into the sky at night, seeing what are allegedly stars and then the, the, the preconceived idea that based on what we've been taught and told by scientists, these stars have any number of planets spinning around them just like we've got in our solar system with go spinning around the sun and all this business. Um, and then that, that obviously breaks down. And then, but you kind of think, well, what, I just don't understand what those lights are in the skin when we look up. And it, 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 I find that side of it where I would really struggle to comprehend this. But it it could just be, I think I, I saw some video around this and it was something to do with it. It is just like an epic light show pretty much to keep us you know, in awe. And, and it's like the constellations are have meaning and we know that they have representations and there's it's almost like there is some significance to what we're looking at when we look at the night sky but it may not be the what we think it is i.e the conventional model can i say this about the stars if um if they were suns did you know that according to the heliocentric system all these suns are about a million times bigger than mm. our sun. <laughs> yeah. Because our sun is like a thumbnail with an on an extended arm. And its size, when we see it in the sky, it's supposed to be 90 um, million miles away. And it's just like a thumbnail. These stars are described, they have to describe them this way. The stars that we see in the sky, because there's no parallax, parallax it doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer because we traverse so many billions of miles with on one side of the sun then we're on the other side of the sun and between the two it's like millions and millions of miles and yet we see the stars in exactly the same place and they they say that the only way that this lack of parallax or changing angles can be explained is if the stars are trillions of miles away. So this mere million or so miles doesn't make any difference. So <clears throat> if the sun was the same size as our sun, and instead of 90 million miles away, it was a thousand miles away, it would be virtually a pinprick. And that's just a thousand million miles. Now put it at a billion miles and it would disappear. It would be so small it would disappear. And yet we can see all these stars that are 20 trillion miles away. So they'd have to be a million times bigger than the sun at least. 
is to be able to see the stars. So it's all nonsense. And then obviously the, it goes back to the, we're not even seeing the star, we're seeing the light that's reached us from that star, that the actual light is could be hundreds of light, it's hundreds of years old, the, the thousands of years old, the light itself that we're seeing. It's not even the actual star, we're just seeing Yeah, the... well I think we're seeing lights and they're not that far away. I don't know how far yeah. away, maybe thousands of miles, but that's all. And that the sun and the moon are also not that far away. So, yeah, and I mean, it's another, it's it's a great mystery. And that's why it's, we feel the heat of the sun. Yeah. If it was 90 million miles away, I don't think we'd feel the heat of it. I think the atmosphere would absorb the, all that heat long before it reached us. And why is it when you see the sun shining through clouds that we don't see uh, parallel uh, sunlight rays? We don't see the rays parallel. They're always uh, going outward towards the earth. Mm. It's suggesting that the sun isn't that far away. Okay. So I think we've touched on all the main flat earth areas, really. The, the, I was thinking of raising sort of like sat satellites are an interesting one. And gra well, we, we, is there any area that you would like to touch on that we've not touched on in regards to the subject? Yeah. So like, the, I was going to say about satellites purely because we, some of the mainstream technology that we use, um, radio waves, etc., the internet, allegedly it relies on satellites, right? So re it relays signals, relay off satellites. They're in orbit and they have to be in orbit for it to work because there's like a relay of different satellites that come in and out of, of range um, and then you bounce, bounces off. The, sat the satellite signals bounce back down to Earth. So I'm just wondering how how we can um, how we can factor this this in if we subscribe to the flat Earth model. Well, the only satellites that have come down to Earth, and they're supposed to be like twenty thousand at least. Yeah, I keep sending them up there. Um, you'd imagine sooner or later there'd be a crash or a dysfunction, and that they'd fall to Earth. But the only ones that fall to Earth have balloons attached. Quite interesting, isn't it? So I think that the satellites that, that might be up there have got balloons and they're going round the electromagnetic field, travelling round and round, and quite naturally. They don't need engines or anything. And uh, they, they may well be taking photographs, but I don't think they're that, that high up. Okay. Um, otherwise, we'd see fantastic photographs of the Earth's surface. We don't. We only see CGI. Yeah. Um, so, satellites are, are very dodgy. All the, all the photographs of satellites are definitely faked. You see fantastic nights and lights and the curvature of the Earth and the it's supposed to be a satellite picture. Um, why don't we see any other satellites? If there's 20, 30,000 satellites up there, how come we never see them moving together? We never see more than one. And that's the one that's got the camera on. So it's just CGI. The space, like, there's lots of talk about space junk as well now. It's a big problem space junk which is basically just pieces of equipment that's just been jettisoned uh, over decades of space travel russian american predominantly yeah. and yeah it, it i guess the question it, it should be it, smashing you, and yeah, falling yeah you'd expect it now and then. to happen more than it does yeah. but i think there have been cases of satellites falling to earth due to malfunctions and things i think there's a russian one that apparently is due to crash at some point. It may have even crashed by now, but obviously no one knows where it's going to crash. It, it could be on the White House lawn, you know, or it could be in, in the middle of the ocean somewhere. It's not, but it, it's a malfunction satellite. They can't turn it off. It's just so it's just spinning out of control in orbit. But yeah, um, that's interesting what you're saying around it could still apply 
even if we were on a... But when a was the last time a satellite fell in uh, Great Britain? I Someone picked up a satellite. Any, yeah, I don't know of any Never. No, no. Never? Yeah. Okay. So, any mm -hmm. any other areas you want you want to raise? Uh, just an interesting point um, that um, the angle of the Earth. Um, they had to change the angle of the Earth several centuries ago because they realised they needed to explain how winter and summer could occur. Um, because apparently, in winter, we're slightly nearer to the sun uh, than in the summer. So the only way they could explain it was to say, oh, that's because uh, the Earth is at an angle. Of, right. Uh, it's 23.4 degrees. Uh, and that, that, that spinning of the Earth at that angle gives us a natural uh, winter and summer. And oh, the, because the heat deflects from the... Is, we're saying that even though we're nearer, the heat is deflecting off, and so therefore it's winter. Is that, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. So um, that's why uh, they adopted that. Well, it's very strange that when you measure that angle from the equator, uh, 90 the 90 degrees differentiation, it turns out to be 66.6. .6. And also, when you study the speed of the Earth around the Sun, it's 66.6 thousand um, miles an hour. Strange. Quite strange, strange that, number. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Synchronicity, perhaps. Or some sign of uh, some shenanigans that play there. Yeah. Well, it's definitely some food for thought. And like I say, I mean, it's a, it is a fascinating area, this. I do wonder as well, like going back to what you were saying at the start, it, it is interesting that this information does get taken down, uh, predominantly YouTube and stuff. Because, again, it it's, ju it's just a theory. It's people discussing an idea. Even if they're firm believers in the theory, why is that so much of an issue for companies like yeah. Google? Why do they feel the need to just shut all this at talk down and delete videos? Because yeah. it's it's just healthy yeah, science it's... is meant to be a debate. It's never meant to be settled. Yeah, I I I can easily be dismissed as a nutter because everybody's been programmed to think that science is wonderful and that the heliocentric system is endlessly fascinating etc etc and like people that understand what's going on uh, with the controllers of what happens in the world it seems to be at the moment the whole uh, dis destruction of the west in order for us all to fall in the trap of calling for the uh, world government uh, that seems to be the program people who understand this will nevertheless go absolutely berserk if you try to discuss the flat earth with them. So we're harmless cranks and we should be treated as harmless cranks and should be encouraged. We should be encouraged. But the trouble is when they did encourage us six or seven years ago, a million or so people became flat earthers quite quickly mm. they were starting to catch on there were there was a fake i remember i can't remember who it was but there was a famous case on, on twitter of a rapper quite a well-known mainstream american rapper in the hip-hop scene and they came out on twitter started tweeting that they believed in flat earth and that the earth was flat and that we've all been lied to and th there was a huge amount of backlash or everyone was calling him crazy which, and I can't. I don't. I don't think he backed down. I think he kept tweeting about flat Earth. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he just stopped tweeting, and then that was it. And I don't remember what happened. I can't remember what the end result of it was. I'll be interested to find that out now. Um, but like I say, I think just a bit of a, a delve online into rapper believes in flat Earth. You'll see. It, you'll find the results. Yeah. They then run away from it. Um, yeah. It was almost like they were told a to shut famous up. all-rounder cricketer. I uh, forget his name. Uh, he also became a flat earther and then he was on television a lot 
and he realised that he would lose his position yeah. if he kept on about it. So he's, he's sharp about it. Uh, so that's a famous cricketer, famous footballer, Matthew Letizia. Oh, yeah. Has become a bit of a conspiracy theorist. He has, yeah. He's touched yeah. the flat earth. Oh, OK. But he's also very careful not to go no, he's on good. about it too um, much. Yeah, he's talked a lot about COVID and, and the, the, the uh, vaccinations, etc. Yeah, he, mm. he seems to be really coming up his shell with regards to a lot of topics. And but yeah, and, and Dave, interesting, David David Ike, who can talk freely about uh, lizards, etc. Yeah, uh, won't touch the flat earth uh, because even David Ike is frightened to touch the flat earth. He skirts yeah. around it. He won't say yes and he won't say no. But he also won't yeah research it. He refuses to research He's it. He's done books on the moon being a hollowed out spacecraft and stuff. Um, and. But yeah, he's never quite touched on on this subject. It is interesting that he hasn't. Mm. I remember him saying once in an interview that he just doesn't feel intuitively that it's an area that he should be looking at. But that, you could to. argue that that's it's a cop out. Because yeah. he's already been like scorched Yeah. Uh, when he went a little bit crazy with the drugs he was taking when he was a young man. And he went on, um, he went on some programme and he got torched. Uh, as a lunatic and didn't he was young and immature and didn't really know how to answer he came back later on well the terry wogan thing yeah 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 yeah. he came back later on and and looked after himself much better yeah but that scorching in my opinion has made it so that he won't even look at it because he knows that he will be ridiculed as soon as he comes out with uh, the objectivity that would lead him to believe that the earth is flat yeah, I suppose we could. This would enter into another area of discussion now. But yeah, I hear your point. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it, yeah, it is interesting. With like, he's never really touched on this area. So a, a lot of researchers haven't. Uh, they they won't go near it for whatever reason. But they they all, it probably is because uh, I guess it has been used as an age-old um, ab, ad hominem attack. Uh, they just call you a flat earther. Uh, like that. That's that's. A, a famous saying now because it's mm-hmm. it's been used so much historically they just say and um, i always remember we so this years ago as some of our oldest subscribers may be aware of we we used to put out a magazine called the information we may still do more by the way but one of the um, my brother peter wrote to sir patrick moore and and asked him to comment on the theory that the moon landings had been faked in a studio. And this was in ni- 1999, I believe, if I remember right. And Patrick Moore actually wrote a letter back to Peter, which was great. He still got it. I'm pretty sure he still got the, the letter. And he talked a bit about how it's um, the latest flat earth um, craze. Like he, he just, he, he basically compared people who deny the moon, the moon yeah, landings yeah, yeah, yeah. took place. He compared them to flat earthers, you know. Well, that so cops, that cops, uh, cops. This is Brian Cox. Brian Cox, yeah. Yeah, he, he says that if you don't believe that we went to the moon, you're a knobhead. So he calls <laughs> right. us all knobheads. Yeah. But he knows. He's in a position where he knows. He's totally controlled and he's accepted the uh, wherewithal, the money, in other words, yeah. uh, to be a spokesman for science. But he must know. He must be... Yeah, I'm Mason, and you yeah. must know a lot of them. Though I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson is another one. He was on. Yeah, he's going back a few years. He was quizzed a little bit about the moon hoax theory, and he he kept just repeating a mantra, yeah. but he wouldn't actually just try and explain the anomalies around some of the pictures and the things. He he wouldn't just sit there and even acknowledge that they there were anomalies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just repeated the mantra yeah he's a, fight, yeah. He's a fighting yeah. man it's, it's strange really he's a fighting man he's uh he won't go out on a limb he was actually ingratiating to uh neil degrasse tyson mm. uh it made my stomach churn actually and yet he's being censored in today's society for being too radical yeah that's how crazy, that's how crazy the world is now and, and how bad censorship is. Yeah, we live in a hive mind at this point where if you question anything, you're just branded a crazy nut and 
and exposed on social media and it's uh it, it reminds me of that japanese expression um they they live by it in japan allegedly it may be historically they did anyway maybe not so much now but never be the first nail to stick out because you'll be the the first one to get hit by the hammer um so it's like they're trying to keep everyone down in this suppressed state i guess yeah but but that we could yeah we could go off on tangents now but yeah this is no it's been interesting day thanks it's um been good hearing your thoughts on flat earth and uh yeah we we uh been ministers for a while so yeah thank you thanks for your time okay well thank you for i suppose i've been interviewed so thank you for that <laughs> yeah and um, the reason that I'm able uh, to free speak freely about the subject is that I've got nothing to lose. Sure. Um, I'm not trying to get anywhere. I'm comfortable in my own skin and uh, have no ambition. So nothing to lose. I can say whatever I like. Yeah, let's hope it stays that way. Okay, cheers, Dave. Forces strike the edge of ecology.